another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. Of the beast. How you doing, Nisbet? Good. Part five. Part five. Early years. Part five early years, yep. Early years. We've Finish gone, it off now. Yes. We've gone from Harris Hits Puberty, and we're <laughs> yeah. going to take it we right. We did. We started in 1971. Yeah. We got some feedback. More spare rib. Yeah. <laughs> More spare rib. I love that. We've got lots of feedback. Actually, I'm going to yeah. play some feedback to, at the end of this, but uh, people have been getting a big kick out of this. I think people are enjoying it. They enjoyed it. It's cool. We're getting a lot of good feedback. Mm. And this is... Uh, I guess a five-parter in the end, if we can grab it, which we will. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, and we've got a bunch of episodes then coming on Iron Maiden, the album. But we're right. going to gap it. Yeah, we're going to take a break after this episode. Yeah. The Bruins are, have game seven <laughs> of the playoffs. Okay. So, uh, yeah. by the time you listen to this, you'll know what the happened. Winner. But we don't know who, yeah. the, who won the Stanley Cup yet. Yeah, it's just about to happen. It's just about to happen. And, uh, yeah. So our next episode, we'll talk about that. I'll be yeah. celebrating or... So this, yeah, this goes live in a few days, but in yeah. between now and then, you're going to be very happy and I'll be very <laughs> somewhat happy. So uh, you guys yeah. who are listening to this know who won. We don't yet. But. No, that's right. Do you know what? I, I, I was, My, my uh, mother is staying with me now and she, uh, she literally, she went, ooh, you have to change your Wi-Fi. And I went, oh God. Oh, <laughs> right. Remember what my Wi-Fi name is? Leafs Cup 2019. That's oh, true. To, I got to own it. You got to change your Wi-Fi. I what know. are you going to change it to? And not Bruins Cup, you bugger. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what I'll change it to. Leafs Cup 2020. With a question mark at the end. <laughs> the Special character make it harder <laughs> to guess. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get into this beer. Okay, I'm let's dying. do it. Yeah, I'm still coming out off what this cold, so I need this to kick me is in. Is this beer? This is one um, that's uh, brought back from Nova Scotia. My brother lives in Nova oh, Scotia. Okay. So we've had done a bunch of Nova Scotia beers on the show before. I was up there last year and came back with some beers. Yep. And um, yeah, it's awesome. So this is the uh, Made Here by Us Nova Scotia Pale Ale. Now, it's by the, it's from the Craft Brewers Association. Um, it's a community beer for the Crafts Beer Week in 2019. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right, here we go. So I should have said this is by the uh, Saltbox Brewing Company. Saltbox, okay. It's going to be pour you up first. Feels like it's been a while. Yeah, it has. It has. Well, it's been a week, but yeah. This is great. What do you say? This was a pale ale. A pale ale. <laughs> I'm right into pale ales now. <laughs> Citronella hops. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Smells great. It's really good. Oh, my God. I wish I had a straw now, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> one less sea turtle. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into the, finish off this part five. Yes. The early years. So when we when we left at last, right. if I recall, we were just at the precipice of the Soundhouse tapes. Is that what was happening? The Soundhouse tapes were just released. Just released. Okay, I'm going to speed yeah. through yes. a recap. Yes. If anyone's binge listening to these five in a row. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First of all, if anyone, if this is your first episode, go back to part one. Mm. Don't start at this one. Well, you, can't, yes. you can do whatever you want, but yeah. it'll make more sense if you listen to them in order. That's right. And anyone that's binge listening to this has to hear like five recaps from, <laughs> four recaps one in each episode. Yeah. On that note, someone wrote in an email recently. They're like, oh, I've been binge listening. I found it five weeks ago. I'm at episode 30. I just wanted to reply, hang in there. Because <laughs> 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 some of the early stuff. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, go on. So, 71, Steve Harris buys a base. Uh, 72, 73, Steve Harris is in Influence, then turns into Gypsy's Kiss. Joins Smiler, 
in February 1975. Forms Iron Maiden at the very end of 1975, almost 76. Uh, we talked about Palmer O'Day, Terry Ranson, Dave Sullivan, Dennis Wilcock, Bob Sawyer, Dave Murray. Um, 1977, th- we talked about the logo. Most of the first two albums are written. We got into like Dave Lights and Vic Villa. Yep. Terry Wapram, Tony Moore, Barry Perkis was the drummer briefly. Yeah. Uh, Doug Sampson as a drummer came in. And they were popular around that stage. Like They were really yep. ramped up. They were regulars. Yeah. And then <clears> Paul Giano <throat> joins yeah. in late 78 with Steve Newhouse. Paul Cairns joins as second guitarist. Yeah. They record the Space Word studio demos with Paul Cairns on guitar. Uh, and Neil Kay kind of gets the demos, takes them to the heavy metal sound house. Paul Todd joined for a week. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work out so well. Rod Smallwood comes on board, decides to manage them. They get Tony Parsons as second guitarist. Yeah. They record the Manchester Square Studios demos. And then we are at November 9th, 1979, the Soundhouse tapes are released. Yes. So that's where we left off. And then we talked about my Soundhouse tapes, which, yes. uh, yeah, that took a while. So we're not going to get into my copy of the Soundhouse tapes again. But I have yeah. some other... Uh, some other albums here that we're going to look at. We'll today. get to, yeah. So who's in the band right now? Let's restate it. Paul Diano, yes. Dave Murray, Steve yeah. Harris. On guitar, Tony Parsons, and the drummer is Doug Sampson. Yeah, no Dennis Stratton. So this that's is right. Late he, 1979. Yeah, the, that's on the right. verge of like the album, about to, you know, yeah. about to go record the album. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So the Soundhouse tapes. You have a copy. You also yep. have a cool copy here that you picked up this week. Well, that was when we were at the vinyl. Fair. Yeah, that's like an unofficial. Yeah. copy of the Soundhouse tapes. It's called Iron Maiden 1978 to 1980, the classic studio tracks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, well, that's what it says on the back. It's called, I haven't actually yeah. figured out much about this. It's called Thundersticks Kings of Metal series number yeah. six. And the gentleman who sold it to you there, he said that these are one of those European, under European laws. Like yeah. Well, it's the same thing, as, but there's it's one of these recap kind of public yeah. that are out there. So it's not actually an Iron Maiden production, but it should be studio quality. Well, Studios yeah. they can get, I guess. Obviously, so this has a bunch tapes. of collected early stuff on it. Yeah, so but, that's uh, cool. Yeah, I'm not actually counting that in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In this history, I'm just I'm actually I'm not even going up to when this this didn't come out until 1984. So that was like mm. someone, some European company went and scrounged all these early recordings. Yeah. So I'm not counting that one. So November 14th, 1979. Yeah. That's when I'm going to pick it up. Iron Maiden plays on the radio for the first time. So they're on the BBC Radio 1 Friday Rock Show. Okay. November 14th, 1979. Studio 6, BBC Studios in London. And they play Iron Maiden, Running Free, Transylvania, and Sanctuary. So this is them on the radio for the first time with Tony Parsons on guitar and Doug Sampson on drums.
So that's Transylvania. So that's one of the four songs they played in uh, the BBC studios. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's with Tony Parsons on guitar and Doug Sampson on drums. I have another clip from that uh, BBC sessions too. This is Running Free. free yeah yeah i know so the classic oh yeah so played everywhere i can't wait to cover that one in the uh i love that one yeah. though. uh <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it okay um so the bbc because i've seen this before i think we covered it on the podcast right where did you get this where was this so recorded? this was released in eddie's yeah. archive so eddie's right. archive are these three double cds That's i have right. them here this is a beast over hammersmith yeah uh we already covered this Still in the original plastic. And this is the BBC archives. Yeah. Still in the original plastic. Yeah, still still sealed. Still sealed. Still Eddie Archive CD still sealed. Yeah, because I remember we covered them. I don't think those those are not available on vinyl. Nope. Uh, there might yeah. be bootlegs of them floating. Bootlegs around, of them. Yeah. Yeah, but this CD here, BBC, it has a pretty cool uh yeah, cover. I love that. It's a real rough Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No prayer era. But uh, we we went into that at some stage. I'm sure we did. We might have. We touched something off it because I remember going through when that was printed and how it was printed. And I think we had a big debate about why it wasn't on vinyl and how they got the recording. And you had some background on it. Yeah, I remember talking about Eddie's archive a few times. Yeah, because when when you, when we had... I think it was during the B-Sides episodes that came up. Uh, Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. When... um, when you just mentioned it, I was like, that seems so early for the BBC archives. For me, for some reason, I thought it was they were playing after or in between tours, and it was kind of thrown out later as a live concept. But this is really early on. Well, the BBC archives has, yeah. it's a double CD, so there's tons of recordings from all over the Maiden's career. It's okay. not just all early stuff, yeah. That's it, actually. It That's right. So it, it does cover a lot of tracks in later tours, Yep. which is why it's all over my live disc. This uh, one here, the Beast Over Hammersmith. Yeah. This would be a great live album for us to cover in an episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like peak maiden. Oh. One of their many, many peaks. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, we got to get into that. So that's oh, the, that's awesome. Yeah, that's the BBC. That's their first appearance on the radio. Yeah. BBC One Radio, or Friday Rock Show. BBC Radio One Friday Rock Show yeah. from 19, November of 79. Um, something else I want to note is, so Paul Cairns, Tony Parsons, and Doug Sampson. Mm. The three of them, we went through, we listed off, I could list, we went through like so many former members of Iron yep. Maiden. But these three, Paul Cairns was on Soundhouse tapes, and yep. Tony Parsons and Doug Sampson are on a few of these releases. Yeah. These early ones. So those three, I think they should be, they should stick out more than the rest. Yeah. Because they were actually recording members of Iron Maiden. Yeah. Where a lot of the guys, they played some gigs, and then they were, they were in and out of the band. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. And it's so close, too, man. It must be so painful Yeah. to look back <laughs> on it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So after that, there's another lineup change. So uh, November 1979, this is the same month as these BBC recordings. Tony Parsons is fired by Ron Smallwood on his birthday. Really? Yeah. 
on his birthday. On his birthday, Rod Smallwood fires him. Any from any, any reason? <laughs> Rod Smallwood says that he wasn't good enough to match Dave Murray. Yeah. Um, he played like 30 shows overall in his career with Maiden. Yeah. But uh, I have a clip. Okay, so Rod Smallwood says that Tony Parsons was not a good enough guitar player to match Dave Murray. Mm. That's what he says. I have two clips here. These are This is live from the Ruskin Arms, October of 1979. So this is a month before he gets kicked out of the band. Uh, a little over a month. And it's two guitar solos. Because the Iron Maiden guitar players used to always take a solo in the middle of the set yeah. list. So I have a Tony Persons guitar solo so you can hear what his guitar solo sounds like. <laughs> So that's a, a clip mm. of Tony Parsons doing a live guitar solo. Yeah. Um, and say that's a right there. That's a, a League One, League Two striker. Like <laughs> you're good, you know. Yeah, he's got some skill there, and he's playing yeah. fast, but it's not really memorable. Or yeah. well, for comparison, from the exact same bootleg, this is Dave. A clip, a short clip of Dave Murray's guitar solo. <laughs> He's on a bit of another level. He has promise. (laughs) He's just smoother and it's more interesting and is more like Tony Parsons is, it's a, you can tell he's a good guitar player, Mm. but it's just kind of like a lot of like fast shredding. Yeah. And you don't really realize sometimes how that area, how big that area of London is. Cause you hear about these few bands and these few things you're like, Oh, Samson's there. And all these players are bouncing around. Yeah. But it's a pretty big arena for talent and there's a lot a high bar there. Yeah. You know. But just hearing Dave Murray's immediately afterwards you're like Yeah. It's not There's so much more yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. It's like he has more personality in yeah, his it's solos. More, it's more you know I mean? it's more Dave. More charisma <laughs> yeah. in his solo in his playing, so. It's it's more good. <laughs> more good. Yeah. Dave Tur- Murray he, more he good. He turned down the suck, turned up the good. <laughs> yeah. So November 25th and 26th, 1979. Yeah. They go into a studio again as a four-piece because they just lost their guitar player, Tony Parsons. Um, They record two more demos at Wessex Studios as a four-piece. They did uh, Running Free and Burning Ambition. So Running Free would later be released on the Axe Attack Volume 1, Mm. 1980, which is a compilation, which I have here, which we'll get into in a bit. Yeah. Burning Ambition 
that would be the B-side to the Running Free single eventually. So that's the version that we're familiar with. It was recorded from these demos. Okay, so these are demos. So really what they're doing here now is they're booking small amounts of time. They're recording demos because Rod's building them up to get full studio time, and he's probably pumping them to, to yeah, get... Yeah, there's a big push to get yeah. material out on stuff. So that's but, why you have, yeah. And it's not just selling things. They're probably building a case to get Iron Maiden made. Is that what they're doing? Because, um, I mean... They I think they just yeah. they're they really want to just have product out there to you know what I mean. So they're getting mm. on these compilations. Um, That's right. Yeah. and they're playing. That. You saw they played the radio for the first time. Yeah, but those, and they're yeah they're just there's a big push. There's like a lot of momentum in the band right now. That's right. So, yeah. so wait now. So where were these demos recorded? Wessex Studios. Wessex which is Studios. In London. Yeah. Okay, and they did release them. They released them on. Let's hear. Yeah. Let's hear some clips. So Running Free comes out yeah. uh, eventually. This demo will be released on the Axe Attack yeah. and, compilation. And so while they recorded uh, Running Free in the BBC, it got released later. This is the first recording of Running Free. They've played it live a ton of times, but this is the first recording. Right. Yeah. Demo. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, really cool. And um, this is the point at which they recorded. They released it right. a little bit later. So, so November twenty fifth and twenty sixth, nineteen seventy nine. They record these demos. They're not released yet. Yeah, we'll get in. I shouldn't probably jump that's ahead. That's the week I was born. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's what Maiden was doing when you were born. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they also record. I'm just going to play this again. We played this clip before, but they also record Burning Ambition, and this is where this version. This is the version of Burning Ambition. There's only this one recording that was released, but it came from these demos. So those are the two yeah. songs that they record. Yeah. Now, that's really funny because when we listen to that in the B-side B context, yeah, it feels like one of these throwaway kind of funky tracks. Yeah. But when you realize they're doing it here now, 
this is really their second serious recordings at Santa's tapes. They it's were in weird, that other yeah. time. Yeah, and then they did they did Running Free live in BBC. It's one of their four. It's their defining sound. This seems like... It's weird that they chose this yeah. as one of their demos to record. Yeah, that's right. It's almost like they haven't recorded anything other than these demos, and it's almost like they're recording something for B-side at this point already. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, and the fact... But I don't think they did. I think it was just... It's weird that they chose this one out of all their songs. And that's all that... By by the information we have, that's all they recorded that time. They only did these two songs on... These two songs. In Wessex Studios. These are the Wessex Studios demos. Yeah, so I I can't... I'd love to know behind it, but it was probably like Rob was like, record something else. It does not for the album. We can't put two album tracks on something like along those yeah, lines. Yeah, but these both were just yeah. recorded to be released separately later. Really? But it's, it's weird that they chose this one. Yeah, because it's, it's really a weird, weird fit now. Because whenever I hear it, I'm, it's very non maideny Yeah. We talked about this way, I think, in part one. Yeah. And I said, this is like the first song that Steve Harris ever wrote. That's right. And, uh, well, maybe that's why he wanted to record it or something. Maybe that's why. Maybe he wanted to do a good version of it because he been, had been kicking around since he was in Influence. <laughs> yeah. And we've touched on B-sides through the whole course of our podcast. Yeah. And we've always had that debate about what's a B-side, or at least I see it that way. And, like, uh, you know, the live versus the the cover versus yeah. the throwaway nonsense. And I always, in that context, I always looked at that and this is kind of like playing around. And I think when we brought it up, you were like, he'd written it long ago, so it had meaning to him. Yeah. It kind of has a feel like where Paul went with the solo stuff, which yeah. I didn't like. Well, to me, it sounds like, I said it sounds like Wishbone Ash. Yeah. Which is what Steve's favorite band was. At the When time. he started playing bass. Yeah. 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 It's just, it just, when you put it here, it's a lot earlier yeah. than I perceived it. In yeah. The it's where the song, he's just had this song since way before Maiden was formed. Yeah. And then when he gets a chance to record some demos, the Soundhouse tapes comes out, and then these demos, he yeah. decides to record that as one of the songs. Maybe he just has an attachment to it, and he wanted to get a copy of it out. Yeah. And the, the takeaway for me on this stuff is it's like, you know, you look at, and I can't wait till we cover Iron Maiden, because within the 16 albums, I've got a whole different take from just listening to Beans out of it now than, than I yeah. used to. You always look at it like, oh, here's your, you know, first album, here's your Bleach, whatever. And then you get going. Yeah. And Iron Man just had to be like there's so many steps here that yeah. they're going through. This recording, then this, change this member. They've been at this stage they're they're going for like four four years. I yeah. mean some well, of the these stuff, songs are, have been around for a long time at this point. Long time, yeah. yeah. And they still don't have them recorded for our album. All right, cool. So they wrapped that up. That's November. Yeah, then late I'm born, everyone's excited. <laughs> late seventy nine, early nineteen eighty. That's around when they get a record deal with EMI records. So December fifteenth, nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. They get their record deal with EMI Records. And there is another lineup change. So Doug Sampson, the yeah. drummer, he can't do really the touring. He, had, he from poor, it says, from what I read, it was poor health, they said. So January 1980, he leaves the band. Yeah. So now they're down to three people, Paul Diano, yeah. Dave Murray, and Steve Harris. Okay. So the three. So here's where they're going to start, like... Building, yeah, yeah. this is the Iron Maiden lineup is coming in now, yeah, yeah. Um, so with Tony Parsons out, yeah, they get Dennis Stratton in December 1979. I am Blaze Bailey, you're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast, possibly the best podcast in the world.
they're looking for a second guitarist. Yeah. They ask Adrian, but uh, Urchin was kind of having a bit of success at this time. So yeah. Adrian kind of turned it down. Yes. Which uh, well, all worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, whatever happened to this say, Adrian yeah. fellow? Um, I think we talked about this when we did the Adrian episode. I think we did too. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's really interesting. And it's funny because even as much as, you know, the perspective of Adrian in the band has just been nothing but home runs. Um, we would have never known Stratton, right? That's crazy. Yeah. 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 So Maiden gets Dennis Stratton. Dennis Stratton is playing in a band called Remus Down Boulevard. Okay. Um, so here's a clip of a live clip of Remus Down Boulevard from 1978 with Dennis Stratton playing guitar. So apparently Steve Harris sees Remus Down Boulevard at the Bridge House. Mm. I'm actually reading a book now called The Bridge House Canning Town by Terrence Murphy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Remus Down Boulevard in that book. It's, uh, it's a book by the guy that owned The Bridge House Canning Town. It's pretty cool. I'll, we're going to cover that on a future episode. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's all I'll say about that now. Oh, cool. I was going to get into it, but I don't yeah. know. I don't want to get off on a tangent. Oh, the Bridge House book. No, no tangents. But it's a good book. Yeah. Um, we'll get into it in our next episode. So that's a good recording. Yeah. Stratton, it's not, you know, that wouldn't be the highlight I'd pick of Stratton's playing. Yeah. That's but he was on the go. Yeah. And he was a few years older, right? Because we covered that later. Because yep. what was one of the, the problems they had with him? So Steve Harris sees Remus Down Boulevard at the Bridge mm-hmm. House. Uh, Steve's kind of interested. Like you said, he's more experienced. He has some recording experience, too. Yeah. So he's that's kind of a, a plus. Um, so Steve meets up with Dennis Stratton at a pub named The Ship on Wardour Street, London, okay. which if you go to, uh, on, I put it on our Twitter and on our, you put it on our Facebook. Yeah. I made that map of locations. That's right. That's the walking the, maiden. Yeah. So the ship is still around. Yeah. I got an email or, uh, I think someone commented on one of the, our it's, maiden. Yeah. Walking maiden, the podcast of the feet. The, <laughs> the walking a, tour of the walking beach. tour. I have a map that has all these locations. Yeah. Yeah. So the ship on Warder Street's still around. Someone yeah. uh, wrote to us and said that, you know, I was there for lunch the other day. Wow. Yeah. But the ship pub, like, there's got to be like nine of those in London. Yeah. Well, this is on the one on Warder Street. Yeah. Um. So Steve gives Dennis some demos. Uh, Dennis goes to a rehearsal, and they jam, but with no drummer. They had no drummer at this time. Remember. Yeah. They're a three-piece. So Dennis comes, mm-hmm. they kind of jam with no drummer. While they're jamming, Dennis kind of comes up with some harmony lines for Phantom of the Opera, mm. like guitar harmony lines. I think that kind of sealed the deal. They're like, that's cool, you're in. Um, I saw an interview with Dennis Stratton, and he said that he took Clive Burr along to a rehearsal. And that's how Clive Burr got into the band. Okay. So he goes to them jam to try to get the gig. There's no drummer. Yeah. He comes back to a rehearsal with Clive Burr, and that's how Clive Burr gets hooked up. Wow. Now, I read Gary Bushel's book, Running Free, says that uh, Steve Harris went to a Samson gig and then convinced him to join Maiden. Yeah. This Dennis Stratton interview that I just uh, 
listen to says that Den- he says that he- Dennis says that he brought Clive Burr in. And I'm going to, mm. you know, and kind of recommends him and voted for him. Okay. And I think everyone kind of knew, you know, Dennis Stratton. Yeah. He was playing in Samson at the time. I think he was a pretty well-known drummer. Yeah. I don't think he was like a stranger showing up. Yeah. We, we've talked about a drumming episode a long time yeah. ago, and we never really, I don't know a lot about Clive Burr. Just, you know, his work yeah. on the three albums. Yeah, we should do an episode on yeah. him soon. I mean, uh, yeah, I really don't know much about his backstory. Yeah. I know a little bit about his fate, but, you know. Yeah, that's So Dennis Stratton's in, yeah. and he brings Clive Burr in. Mm. And now you have the lineup, Paul Diano, Dave Murray, Dennis Stratton, Clive Burr, and Steve Harris. Who are these people? Finally, we're yes. to the... Uh, <laughs> we're to the, yes. We're through all the lineup changes for now. Mm. Until. You know. Until. Until. Hey, this is Linda from the Iron Maidens. Hi, this is Courtney from the Iron Maidens. And you're listening to... Talking Maidens. That's awesome. So if you just look at the momentum that Maiden has mm. at the start of 1980, That's right. right? They've got like, they're just a yeah, flurry of activity. So January 1980, they go in the studio and record their first album. And the next few episodes, we're going to get into this. There's a bunch of different sources with different takes and different mm. whatever. And I kind of, I got all of these sources and kind of picked them all apart. Yeah. And I think I figured out the like definitive version of what happened. Oh, yeah? So, well, there's some dates that are kind of thrown around or whatever. Yeah. Um, Dennis Stratton says December of 1979 they recorded the album. Um, I don't think that can be true because they toured up until December 22nd of 1979. Yeah. Um, I read a few places, including a newspaper clipping that said February 1979, which can't be right because the running free single came out in early February. Yeah. So obviously the recording was done. Um, anyway, I'll get into that when we do the album episode, but from best I could figure out January, 1980, they recorded the first album. So February 1st Mm. to to February 11th, the middle for mother's tour starts, uh, February 1st, 1980, the tour starts. Um, so they tour the middle for mother's tour. They play every single day, 11 days on the road. And then they pull out of the tour because they have to complete mixing of their album. So they record it in January. February, mm. they go on tour, and then yeah. they have to pull out of the tour. Um, and then February 8th, 1980, the first single of Running Free. So this is a Running Free single. Okay, so you got the vinyl yeah. here, yeah. So they they released this, but this was this is the recording that happened in where the Germany, you said. Is this right? No, this is the album version. This is the, the B-side. The B-side is from that r- yeah. recording before. So, if, so yeah, flip it over. You can see okay. Burning Ambition is the B-side. Yes. And that's from the Wessex Studios demos. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the Wessex demos was just basically our first pass running free studio that was never really released. Well, I'll get to that now in a bit. Oh, cool. <laughs> this is awesome. So running that's free. the Maiden first Maiden running yeah. free. That's the first uh, yeah. album. And you can see Eddie's face is kind of in the shadows. So you can see, yeah, because they didn't want to give away the Eddie face. You know how Eddie's going to be, like, he's so prominent on the first album. Yeah. So they didn't really want to show Eddie, so they kind of kept his face in the shadows. So you can, you know what I mean? Yeah, ironically, the person who looks like he's running away, it looks like Bruce. Oh, yeah, it kind of <laughs> does. Know, almost, <laughs> at the age. Yeah, and then you'd almost argue that maybe they're running to Eddie, you know? Yeah, because the hand, yeah, that's weird. It's cool. So that's the Running Free single. That's their first single released. Yeah, loads uh, going on. Goes to number 44 in the charts, and they get an offer to do Top of the Pops. 
mm. which we're going to get into. I'm going to get into that. Uh, I know when we get into these tracks, we'll get into that. So February, that's February 8th, Running Free comes out. February 15th, 1980. This, hold on, let me grab this. So this vinyl is the Metal for Mothers compilation. So that's released. It has early versions of Sanctuary and Wrathchild from the Manchester Square Studios demos. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so you see, when I always looked at these, I always thought that they were just from the album plucked out and so yep no those are demo versions yeah those are demo versions yep really cool so i have a a clip from Uh, wrathchild so this is wrathchild yeah from the middle from mother's compilation it's a bit slower it sounds a little rougher and rawer too but like compare this to the album version So I think that's wow. maybe the best version of Wrathchild that's out there. <laughs> Ooh, I disagree. <laughs> maybe. One of them. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's the middle from Mother's Compilation. Man. Yeah, there's some really good songs on there, too. God, I didn't know that, that, that you know, I really, I'm surprised. So all this stuff is coming out yeah. before the yeah. first album's released, right? The first album's not released yet. It's recorded and mixed, but um, February 22nd, 1980, they play Top of the Pops. Yeah. And they they're told to lip sync. But yeah. they say that they won't play it unless they can play live. So they it's pretty much unheard of. The only time that that ever happened before was 8 years before the Who played live on top of the Pops. Every other person had, that ever played they always lip synced. Yeah. Or played along to like a recorded track. So they play Top of the Pops and they play Running Free and here's a clip of them on Top of the Pops. I spend the night in So that's them, yeah. So yeah. it was a big deal that they were going to play uh, Top of the Pops and not Lip Sync. 
also sometime in early 1980, and I looked and everywhere trying to figure out the exact date. It's very early 80, I think January or February. This compilation comes out. Warning, this album is loud and heavy. Axe Attack with UFO. Black Sabbath. Axe Attack with Gillen. Rainbow. Axe Attack with ACDC, Judas Priest, Motorhead, Whitesnake, and the best of the rest on this incredible album, Axe Attack from Kato. So they, at the end there, they say, they don't say Iron Maiden. Yeah. Because they're unknown. Well, virtually unknown as far as like, you yeah. know, compared to these other bands. So Iron Maiden is best of the rest. Best of the <laughs> they rest. They mention them at the end as part of best of the rest. Um, so they get on this compilation. Um, this is also released before the first album. Okay. Um, so this is one of the first Maiden. This is one of the first releases that has a Maiden yeah. song on it. Um, but I mean, can you imagine they're coming up to have their album recorded? It's just about to come out. Hasn't come out yet. And they get put on like Iron Maiden gets put on a compilation with like Black Sabbath, um, you know, Aerosmith, ACDC. Judas yeah. Priest and UFO, right? Like Steve Harris loves UFO. Yeah, like they were all actually at their peak then too. Yeah, all those bands, yeah. like Aerosmith. Yeah, like this is a really good. Right? Uh, Sabbath was bigger than ever in them. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's uh, the you crazy. can see that they're kind of poised to like take off. They're like to be put on a compilation with those bands. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, there's Rainbow, Gillen, Judas Priest, Ted Nugent, Scorpions, UFO, ACDC, White Snake, Iron Maiden, Aerosmith, Black Sabbath, Motorhead. Wow. So they're getting lumped onto this compilation with those what, bands. What a, what a horrible compilation. <laughs> so you can see they're kind of mm. poised to become a big name in metal. Yeah. Right? They're, it's, they're, there's a huge push behind them. Um, so the Axe Attack Volume 1. So the version of Running Free that's on this is from the Wessex Studios demos that we talked about. Yeah. The later So what happened basically was they were supposed to give them a copy of Running Free it wasn't ready and it wasn't recorded and mastered yet. That's how I know that this came out. That's how I kind of pinned down the date that this came out. Yes. They asked Maiden for a cop for a, co- a song running free. They didn't have the running free ready yet recorded and mastered. So they had to give them the demo. So they gave them the demo for this compilation. And then the later presses pressings that came out after this version. Yeah. They came out with the studio version. Studio. So version. they gave them the demo for the first pressing of this compilation. Wow. And then for every com- after the first pressing, the rest of the pressings had the studio version. Yeah. And what kind of pressing do you have there? I have the first pressing. The first pressing. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. 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 So that's how I know that this came out. You know, very early. Yeah, that's a before. huge difference. But you don't have the later pressings. No. <laughs> you know, you only have one of the two pressings. I mean, this makes no sense. So this is another short clip. This is the demo. This is the running free from the Axe Attack demo. Spend the night in a jail. Listen to Sirens Well. If they ain't got a thing on me, I'm running wild. I'm running free, yeah. I'm running free.
So that's wow. yet another version of running free. <laughs> a lot of running Not free enough. clips in this. Uh... You know what's funny is like we've already done so much work in the lead up to Iron Maiden. And, you know, spoiler <laughs> alert, this is not my favorite track anymore. No, I love the song. Oh, God. Tonight <laughs> is almost like you're trolling me because I I haven't gotten to that. We haven't talked about it yet. But uh, so, look, it's, it's, it's iconic, right? So but, these releases we just went through, that mm-hmm. takes us right up to right before, like, this is 1980. This is right before the first album is about to be released. Okay. So that's where we're going to stop. Oh, that's wow. That's the end. So that's the end of the history here. of Iron Maiden up to the first album. So it's kind of rapid fire from the sound his tapes in. I mean, it's just release, Well, release, that's the release. thing. If you listen to, if you've been listening to these five episodes. Yeah. The first one, for episode one, two, three, and four, it's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of little things going on here and there. And then right at, it's like they get grinded out in the, in the burrs and they really try to nail down a good lineup. Mm. And then once they do, man, it's like bang, bang, bang. It's just like, yeah, yeah like he's a rapid fire releasing and recording these demos and releasing compilations and yeah, yeah. it's a lot richer to um, my my view of this tapestry from a recording perspective than what I thought it was. Yeah, I yeah. honestly had the perception that like you know Sandoz tapes was like a demo and then they went in and recorded Army and they were just fighting with the band trying to get everything chopped yeah. up. I didn't realize. You know, there was those different demo points and I didn't realize. Yeah, so a lot and, of people, if you're yeah. a Maiden fan and you're like, oh, I know the first album and I know mm. Killers and then you start listening. You don't realize, uh, well, we just talked five hours about like what mm. happened in the lead up to that first album. Yeah, and a lot of good a musicians of involved. A lot of people came in and left yeah. and... Uh, Quite a journey. Yeah. Quite a journey. Yeah. Um, so how many people have we been through now? Like just roughly. Okay, so yeah. the, I'll I'll, I'll yeah, go re- through the list recap. because yeah. I do have the list here in front of me. So the bass players that have been in Iron Maiden, Steve Harris. Yes. So it's his band. Um, the drummers we had Ron Rebel Matthews, Barry Perkis, Thunderstick, mm-hmm. Doug Sampson, mm-hmm. and Clive Burr. Yes. Um, for the singers we had Paul Day, Paul Mario Day, Dennis Wilcock, and Paul Diano. Yeah. Um, for guitar players, mm. this is where the list gets long. We had Terry Rance and Dave Sullivan, Dave Murray, Bob Angelo Sawyer, Terry Wapram, Paul Cairns, Paul Todd, Tony Parsons, Dennis Stratton. And we had a keyboard player, Tony Moore. Wow. So that's 18 people wow. have been in and out of the band at this point. Um, and we still haven't gotten to Adrian, Yannick, Nico, Bruce, or Blaze. Yeah. You know, and so it's 23 if you count them. Yeah. And this is just kind of at the end of it. It's kind of like the perspective of they're just about to launch. They're getting big, you know. And it's this period, where, you know, in the lead up where they're releasing album after album. You know, Steve's walking around trying to find and replace members. I mean, he's going around with a recording contract in his pocket, <laughs> right? Which is, he's got to be, you know, everyone wants to be yeah. pressing them. And, um, but they've done so much already. They've been three, four years, very popular. Um, well, probably really, what was it? We said they started touring around 76, 77 was when they became a regular fixture. Yep. So they've got three years of gigging, making money at it, you know, and now they're just about to take off. It's the perfect timeline. Yep. Mm. It's and, pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool when you think, too, because this first album came out, well, these first two albums came out, Iron Maiden and Killers. Mm. And when you think those songs have been kicking around for, like, a long time up to this point. Yeah. Like they basically have been playing those in clubs for years before mm-hmm. they recorded them as an album. And that brings me to a clip. So uh, we had a listener, James, mm. who 
left this comment for us and it's something I never really thought about but when I heard it I was like wow that's it's totally well I'll just let you hear it and then we'll talk about it hey guys this is James calling really enjoying the podcasts with the birth of the beast really good stuff um and they've really for the first time got me thinking about uh something that Paul Diano often says and something that a lot of people say about the early Maiden albums they, often you hear people say that those songs were written for Paul and when they're compared with how Bruce sings in live, a lot of people say, wow, you know, he does a good job, but they weren't written for his voice, they were written for Paul's voice. But I think the podcast series you've done has really highlighted, especially with the clips you've played, that those songs weren't actually written for Paul. They were written for Paul Mario Day and they were written for Dennis Wilcock and they were written for their voices. Um, so it's really made me think about how Paul sings on those first two albums and how Bruce tackles those songs. And it really kind of dispels the myth that those songs were written exclusively for Paul's voice and no one else should be singing them. It just simply isn't the case. Um, I think it also makes me feel a little bit even sadder about Paul Diano's career and where he's at now. Um, of course, he predominantly plays the first two Maiden albums, which I've always thought of as, as his albums. But now really realizing that those songs weren't even written with him, apart from some of the lyrics, it kind of makes it even a little sadder that, you know, all these years later that he still has to trot those usual songs out on stage. Anyway, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Cheers. Oh, wow. So that's a really good point. That is a good take. Because I've said that before because we were talking about, uh, well, we were talking about Lord of the, Bruce's version of Lord of the Flies is one yeah. example. Um. I'm trying to think. There's a few, you know, there's a few, I think when we were talking about like Prowler 88. Yeah. I was like, let Paul sing the Paul songs and Bruce sing the Bruce songs and Blaze sing the Blaze songs. I was like, those songs are meant for Paul. Let Paul sing them. But they aren't really meant for Paul. They're not, no. Yeah. They're like Steve Harris songs that are meant for whoever he says is the singer. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great, great perspective. And in in the lead up to this and kind of when we did early years before i kind of had this view of like okay when paul gets together like wh- where we just talked about before they had the second guitarist and the drummer you know like the kind of the nucleus there of what what picking the iron maiden team when they were together that was that was it and everything else was just a bunch of people before yeah but this longer deeper dive especially watching the evolution of some of the songs some of the recordings especially some of the early recordings of the other singers he's right Yep. James is right again. <laughs> Have you seen uh, that's James Fraser? I assume, yep. right? Have you seen his uh, his his Twitter feed collection? Yes, I've seen it. He's been posting his Iron Maiden collection. Yeah, one picture a day. Yes, and it's been going on for a hundred and something days. Yes, it's a huge Maiden collection. I know. When he started, like when he got into thirty or forty, I was like, oh, that's pretty good, man. You yeah. know, and then yeah, I was he's starting to. I was thinking he's going to start to to run into steam soon, and Every, now yeah. now I'm just like James, humble brag much. Like, <laughs> I'm loving it. He's got so much detail in there. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, and he has a little commentary on everyone. He does. If you're on Twitter, though, you have to check out this collection. What's what's his handle in Nesbitt? It's at uh, James Fraser NZ for New yeah. Zealand. All one word. Yeah, F R A S E R. Yeah, and he follows us uh, talking Maiden on Twitter. Yep. I'm I'm back and forth on there as well. But his uh, his Maiden collection that he's been posting is awesome. It's awesome. He's got good pictures. Yeah. So there. every he's in New Zealand. So when he uh, he posts, I don't know what time of day he does, but like mm. New Zealand's twelve hours approximately difference from here. I know. So every morning I get up in the morning, mm. get my coffee, sit down. Me and my wife sit down, waiting for the kids to come downstairs. 
uh, and I open my phone and I look, ch- open up my Twitter to see what James Fraser has posted from his Maiden yeah. collection. And there's oh, no man. end to it. It's been going on forever. I know. I'm just like, when's this going to peter out? He's in 140-something days in. I know. Yeah. It's I pretty just, awesome. I'm going to go through them and be like, aha, day 133 <laughs> was day 118. But that won't happen because he's so detailed. He's got some really cool stuff in there I've never seen before, too. Yeah, yeah, that's a great take. I think that's a good perspective on it. It does kind of even be a little Paul Moore. I got, man. It kind of does, yeah. 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 We talked about Paul after that solo stuff. Man, yeah. Because when you think about it, most of those songs on the first two albums were around mm. with other singers before Paul was even in the band. Mm. So when he came on, he just started singing those songs, yeah. yeah. But I never thought of that before. And when, he, when I listened to that, I was like, wow, that's cool. I never, never ever thought of that before. Yeah. He's just yeah. a talented guy <laughs> who was in the right place at the right time, really talented, but but didn't get didn't get it. And even now, it's like, you know, comes up with his rambly reasons for why it just, you know, you should have taken it seriously and could have been a lot. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah. I think the pressure of, like, well, you can see right now the momentum the band has. Yeah. And then you continue this through two albums. Mm. And, like, I think it might have just been too much pressure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we were talking about in the lead up um, to this off air when you went last week and picked up that... Uh, compilation disc yep i picked up the uh made in japan right you got a copy of Made in Japan. yeah uh which i never had before i have it digitally obviously all, all the stuff digitally but um man listening to that's amazing and that's yeah. probably his best work in my mind and we that's covered it on the air probably yeah one yeah. of the best paul era releases yeah. such a great listen like yeah. it's such a short disc it's just so simple to listen to you don't need to sit back and yeah and you don't have to have an hour and a half i have bootlegs of those full japan concerts i yeah. should give you they're awesome oh yeah 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 i gotta say I'm, I'm really impressed with that disc and i love that that's the only thing and obviously the studio albums with paul that i really listen to and obviously his other stuff is kind of bandied about here but man i don't know his tenure was short in hindsight, his impact on the band is less. That Paul Diano episode that we did, I would love to go back and listen to that because I don't know, it was, it's all a blur. We because we mm. had, we got into we had a few uh, multiple beers during that episode. Yeah, you ruined Paul for me. And uh, but we got a bunch of uh, people commenting that was like the funniest episode. And one yeah. guy said that he like spit water out while, while he was listening to our podcast because <laughs> oh, he was laughing so hard. And I was like, were we really that funny? Because I just remember us like. Do you know all I remember? Funny. Whenever I hear it, and I'm going to do this horrible sound effect, but all I remember is, you know, oh, that like, live from yeah. London. Yeah. Was, no, what, was that the line from London intro? I can't remember. Oh, you're like, just humming burning. That's burning, burning ambition. Yeah, no. Oh, God, it is, isn't yeah. it? That is burning ambition from earlier. I'm earning maiden for you, too. Oh, my God. No. Is that the one? Or is it the sunshine one? That I, yeah, no, no, I think you're right. That is burning ambition. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. thinking of uh, no, I'm not something from the first Paldiano from the first. Yes, yeah, the album. one with the sun, summer sun, or something. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I got to be honest. I listened to those in the lead up <laughs> that little bit, just yeah. enough. I hate them. <laughs> I don't, you know, they're in my other yeah. folder. I feel like the Battle Zone stuff gets pretty good though. Yeah, and there's I, stuff yeah. after that that's good too. I was so drunk, but there's also then. stuff after that. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a couple of songs later on that were good. We, yeah. you gave me a mashed up list. Yeah, you know, these are songs Josh might tolerate, yeah. not at all. We have an urchin episode coming up at some point too yes where i'm gonna do the same thing like pick a few well urchin didn't really have a lot of releases no but i'm just gonna pick a few like demos and a few stuff that they released and we'll just kind of listen to a few songs and talk about them a bit Hmm. that'd be a fun one to do be interesting yep yeah fantastic delicious beer this one uh yeah made here by us made here by us yeah good beer yeah 
and we're done the so we finished it we did it we finished it so this goes right back to probably episode 20 or something when you wanted to record early years and we recorded it and i loved it and you hated it and right then we parked it for a yeah, year right because it would have been about yeah, yeah an hour and a half are you happy to do it justice because you just got this oh yeah he's, i just got this got, you got this book since you we started it. doing it i've yeah. got a few of these a few uh more yeah books yeah. And this one here, I've only got like a quarter the quarter read. The Bridge House Canning Town. Yeah. Memories of a legendary rock and roll hangout. So I haven't even gotten to any of the Maiden stuff in that yet. Yeah. But it's a pretty good book. But yeah. Hopefully stuff, uh, the stuff doesn't come out of that. Well, that's night. that's what I was thinking. As soon as I saw that, I kind of no, pit my stomach. I was like, yeah, well, what's going to come out of it? Have, did you watch any of the uh, Game of Thrones? No. So I got really into Game of Thrones okay. as it wound down. And one of the things I, I watched the first season and yeah. most of the second season. You got to watch it. Yeah. You got to go. I am planning it. on it at some point. Yeah, I binge watched it this year, and a lot of people were disappointed in the last two seasons. And you know, I think you just can't please these people, like because I, I was disappointed. Can I do a rant? Do a rant. <laughs> Here's something that I hate. Yeah. So there's like I don't know how many. Like, don't you hate pants? <laughs> tens <laughs> or maybe hundreds of thousands of people signed mm. an online peti- petition to redo the last season of Game of Thrones. Yes, yeah. What the hell's wrong with everybody? I know. Like, you don't get to pick. Like, people make art and they put it out there and you don't have to like it. You but, can watch it or not watch it. You can't be like, if Iron Maiden puts out a, six, a 17th studio yeah. album. Yeah. We can't be like, okay, everyone, sign my petition. And we, oh, we got yeah. 500,000 petitions. Steve Harris, redo the album. No, like, but, no, you just don't like that one. People are so offended by everything now. They're offended yeah. by the outcomes no, of shows. No, they're so in- entitled. Entitled, yeah. They're entitled. It's like, I want everything exactly how I want it. And but, if but, I don't get it, I'm gonna we're going to band together and we're gonna f- make this person either retire or get fired yeah. or like, I don't know. All right. Pisses I got, me off. I got to do a sp- <laughs> spoiler alert. No, I can't do a spoiler alert because you haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah, don't say anything. No, I won't. Because I, I am planning on watching it. I point. won't. But uh, anyway, yeah, like, the, and not only that, the disappointment people had, what I thought was like, yeah, I don't understand it. It just didn't make sense <laughs> to me. Now, look, I was disappointed that the last two seasons were condensed and not as thorough, and the dialogue wasn't as 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 you know riveting as it normally is. Yeah. But the story arc, I understand it. Like, you know, what did you expect? Like, you know, Dragon Lady and they're all going to just go to Florida and retire. I mean, you know, it's got to yeah. be a mess in the end. It has yeah. to be. And, of course, by that stage, people are so vested in characters. They don't like the outcomes. Yeah. But anyway. But so Game the of Thrones. entitlement of people to, like, want to think that the people making the art have to, like, bend to the fans to yeah. give them what they want. It's like, no. So <laughs> the sidetrack, the reason I went into Game of Thrones, okay. is one of the characters becomes a three-eyed raven. Okay. Which is... Um, kind of a magical thing. Game of Thrones, the books explain it all, but I'm not, I'm not okay. reading the books. Like people are like, oh, and the books explains it. All. I'm like, yeah, I don't have time. <laughs> I love the idea, of, you know, yeah. reading all the detailed books. But get the when audio I, books. yeah, when I was in high school, I played D and D for years. I got that out of my system. <laughs> okay. I'm spending my life now doing fun stuff, <laughs> sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So um, <laughs> there's no time to read 40 hours of a J.R. Martin book that's already in HD. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so but there's this character who can see everything in human existence. And when I when I saw it, I was like, "Oh my God! If Nesbitt could be could meet the three eyed raven, everyone else would be like, who's going to sit on the throne?' You'd be like, between 1977 and 1978, it says here that that in the Stonehouse <laughs> yeah. logs, it says that they played four gigs, but it says here played two. I need to know, did they play one? Can you warg <laughs> yeah. there and view it for me? Also, who was recording it? How were they recording it? Who was there? I want to know the exact dates of the recording. Right. Of, yeah. Four days later, the guy be like, "Get out of my tree! No more questions, Nesbitt. No way." 
wait, one last question. <laughs> Spare rib. Like worst <laughs> raven ever. Yeah. So that's the thing. He had a view of all human history. So okay. when I, so basically where I was so going with So he would have foreseen earlier, all of these Maiden albums and releases. Yeah. So are you happy with your perspective on early Maiden? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, listen, things like, you know, you can always go back to it. If I if yeah. I read this, well, when I get into this Bridge House book, yeah. I'm hoping to have it read by the time we review it on a podcast. That's right. Um, but you know what? The, hope if something comes up, I'll bring it up. The reason that history is subjective and stuff is if we even redid this now after James's comment, we'd probably even take it in and be like, you know what? Maybe this song wasn't written for Paul. And yeah. later on, people said it was. Like, so every little new piece of information changes and yeah. sheds your light. And also, what happened after influences everything, right? When we're talking about, you know, a- any member of the band who's not in the yeah. end, well, which is automatically yeah. assume they're not good enough. But if they'd have gone on, who knows how good they would have been by the time Power Slave came out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, seven, eight years later, like, yeah. they're, they're going to be crazy good, yeah. depending on when they left the band. Yeah. It's true, like, well, just talking about Maiden this much, like, changes your opinion on everything. Yeah, I know. Because if you went to back, to, if you went back to before we started the podcast. Yes. And you asked me to, like, rank the albums, mm. it would be totally different than now. Oh, my God, it I changed very daily. Different. And, like, songs and stuff mm. that I never had time for, I love now. Mm. And some of the ones I loved, I don't really like as much anymore. Yeah. I don't know, it's crazy. We haven't done Peace of Mind, have we? Nope. No, I know, because I've been listening to it a lot. But I, I wasn't sure if I was listening to that. I was like, because remember we had this debate before? I'm sure we didn't yeah. do it. But then I feel like we did. Yeah. We still on Brave New World. I know. Which I've also been listening to a lot. Yeah. So I'm well versed. I Fear of the Dark, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll listen to it, but like. Fear of the Dark will be a fun one because. Yeah. I have criticisms. You have criticisms. <laughs> and not, it's the non-Adrian era. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So but, you're uh, going to have that hold up. We'll leave that one for a few. Fantastic. So it went well. Yeah, so we're done. So that's it. So good luck to the Bruins. Fingers crossed. Right. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, next episode, people listening to this already know if my hopes are. I have high hopes right now. You are they going to be crushed? Can I? Can I be you honest? People with you? know if they're going to. I'll crushed. tell you right now. You're going to win. Yeah, I think so. Too. It's Game Seven back, back in Boston. In Boston, I know. You guys are assholes. Everybody hates you. It's the perfect <laughs> American outcome. You're going to win. Do you know Tuco Rask is a huge metalhead? Is he really? Oh my god, yeah. Of course he is. He's from Eastern Europe. Yeah, Finland. He's from Finland. Yeah. I thought he was from Finch. Czech Republic for some reason. No. I'm pretty sure. Uh, is he Finnish? I think. Tukarask, you sure? No. <laughs> no, I don't think he is. For some reason, I think. Get out the phone. For some reason, I think. Wait, no. Where is Tukarask from? Tukarask's teams are the Boston Bruins and the Finnish national men's ice hockey team. Okay, so he's finished. That's right. Wow. There you go. So that's something I probably should know, except I don't watch much international ho- hockey, you know? Everybody, that's a funny thing. This is just a little sidebar. <laughs> okay. People are always like, oh, you know, are you really in international hockey? I like to watch the team selection and I watch like the final round games. Yeah. And uh, it's funny that um, because I, I know a few players on the Finnish team, obviously, and as a Leeds fan. And, um, but I really don't watch international hockey, and I think it's partially because like there's no Newfoundlanders on the Canadian team. So people are like, oh, "Are you cheering on Team Canada?" I'm like, "Some Newfoundlanders on it." Oh yeah, I can see. You that, know, uh, that's yeah. like, what am I going to cheer on? Brad Marchand from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Like, so that's pretty close. Now, if Marner gets out there, he's the least fan. But I mean, I could honestly, I've thought about getting a Team USA Austin Matthews jersey just to piss everybody off. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? All right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> we'll wrap it up there. Uh, good beer. 
Great work, Nesbitt. Excellent yeah. job yeah. on all that uh, research. It was really fun. Yeah. I got to, uh, I have like a room full of maiden stuff and I got to actually dig into it and like. You did it all. It was fun. Yeah. And I killed myself sitting over here drinking beer. Listening <laughs> firsthand to amazing, excellent, excellent detail there. I loved it. All right. Really good. All right. Next time we get to grind about talking the game. Maiden.com. Yes. Talkingmaiden.com slash talk. Talk. You can leave an audio message like James did. Yes. Or a comment or an insult. That's Something right. we got wrong. Something we a got joke. wrong. You know, if your you want best Bruce or yeah. Paul impression. If you want to call in and insult Nesbitt or compliment me, you just go do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do it. Um, and we're on Twitter and Facebook. Yep. Find us on there. At Talking Maiden. Yeah. Right on. Until next time. Up the Hold uh, on. Not yet. Up the Bruins and oh. down the hot. No. <laughs>